Beyond Lumina, Episode 2, Infiltration. The bridge of the Scion sparked nearly lifelessly as it drifted through space. As the large warship was torn apart, the emergency systems sealed the bridge and emergency life support kicked in. Of the five members of the bridge, only the commander, the helmsman, and the chief engineer were safe. The navigator was nearest to the breach on the bridge and was pulled into space before the bridge was sealed. The security chief, seated next to the navigator, was gravely injured from the impact. The commander tended to him as the others tried to improve their situation to no avail. Communications are down, sir, the engineering officer announced. I'm not sure if there are any friendlies out there to hear us anyway, the helmsman replied who had been looking out of the unbroken part of the bridge's viewport. They were drifting further and further from Soar, the planet they had been orbiting when the attack came, and there were no longer any other ships in their vicinity, nor did their nav array work to be able to confirm or deny they were alone. Their attackers had fled local space right after the Scion was destroyed. They must have assumed we couldn't survive such an attack, the commander thought but he didn't think they would have survived such an attack either. No doubt it was the strength of the great warship that kept them safe for the time being. The security chief coughed painfully. Now he was quickly losing consciousness. Jay, hold on, the commander said. The medical kit on the bridge was simply not enough to mend his wounds. They needed the rest of the ship, which was now floating debris. Now the security chief's only hope was a dramatic rescue at the last moment. But the commander already knew, based on their circumstances, how futile that thought was. Just then the helmsman spotted something through the viewport. Hold on, is that a ship? He asked the rest of the crew. The chief engineer walked over next to him. He squinted as the object rapidly approached. You're right, he said with some excitement in his voice. I think it is a ship. The security chief let out a chuckle, a chuckle the commander knew well. His own face was very grave. The ride to Animov took Azik and the two Ravinian soldiers into the cold and high mountain peaks toward the northern pole of Ravina. As a son of Ravina, Azik was used to low temperatures, but even for all their hardiness, Animov was an unlivable region before the space age. Then the Free World Alliance's technology allowed them to create livable conditions within the mountains, a way of living the Ravinians were quite used to. Still, very few actually lived in the region, for there was not much reason for Ravinians to move to such a place. Those that lived there normally were those with some specific reason for being there, mostly military or scientific reasons. Now, it seemed it was serving as a bunker for a large portion of the remaining population. Most of the Ravinian militaries gathered here, Zario said, as they flew toward the settlement. A few others are scattered, trying to find what they can about the security breach and the whereabouts of the captives. And my brother, Isaac, was only partially paying attention, his mind occupied with his family. But his brother was also a Ravinian soldier, and so it was possible this high-ranking officer knew where he was. I'm sorry, we're not sure, Zario said. We lost contact with a lot of our people off-world once the attack came, Azor included. 
Basic felt like he was eluded at every possible step. Just one solid lead, and I would take it, he thought. Just up ahead, we're here, Zargo finally said. Azik was a little relieved. The thermals in his synth plate and paracloak were exceptional, but it takes much more than that to fight the biting cold of the Ravinian North. They entered a large and deep metallic tunnel built into the side of a cliff, which eventually brought them to a massive underground settlement. The artificial lighting high on the ceiling nearly gave the illusion of being back in the cloudless skies of Ravina. Azik could see a lot of people here, civilians, and some hope returned. It was the most people he'd seen in one place since docking on Ravina. We gotta go up to see the captain, Zario said. He's eager to speak with you. Captain who? Azik asked. This was the first time Zario mentioned a superior still being here. The way he had made it sound, the military was all but annihilated or scattered during the attack. Strange again, Azik wondered, that our remaining forces wouldn't have returned after the battle had ended either. Captain Alderaan, you know him? Zario asked. No, Azik replied. He could have just been a lieutenant when I was last here, Azik thought. The name sounded Ravinian to him, at least. Not that it mattered so much anymore. Their population had become quite a mix of races in the last two centuries, but it was certainly not uncommon to see other races who were proud Ravinians serving in the military. It was less common to see high-ranking officers that were not Ravinian by blood, but that too was slowly changing as the cycles passed. They ascended on their grab bikes until they were at the highest level of the complex, where a large building sat near the edge. They parked and entered the building which was the captain's quarters for both private and public affairs. Captain Otteron was in his office when the three soldiers arrived. Lieutenant Zinn, the captain said immediately as they entered. I am Captain DeRoy Otteron. It is good to see you back on Ravina. Our land could use all the help she can get right now. Of course, Captain, Asik said. I'm ready to serve however I can. I ask, though, that you allow me first to find out whether my family is here with you or not. I am sorry, Lieutenant, Captain Odron replied. I had checked this in preparation for your arrival, and it seems that none of them are here in the complex. Azik tried not to show his emotion, but it was difficult as he continued to run out of options. There were reports earlier on, however, the Captain continued, that your brother and his crew were still alive out there somewhere on their cruiser but I don't want to give you any false hope. I appreciate it, sir, Azik said. That was the first good news he had received since coming back to Ravina. So, was there something you would have me do, now that I'm on world, Captain? Well, Captain Deroy Otteron started. Pertaining to our current situation, we do in fact have a lead. We've confirmed reports of an unknown outpost located somewhere on the other side of Animov which is sending signals somewhere near local space. They're masking the signal, so it's hard to pinpoint where it's going, but if we can get in there, we can find where they are relaying the signal. Now that you're here, we finally might have the strength to do it. Point out the location, Azik quickly answered. I'll head there now. Easy, Lieutenant, the Captain said. I know you want to find your family, but you're still a soldier and I need you to go into this with a clear head if I'm going to send others with you. Of course, Azik apologized. I'm sorry, but I'm ready to do what I need to, 
And who do you have in mind to come with me? Captain Otteron motioned toward Zario and the other soldier. Lieutenant Launer and his crew will accompany you. That is, if you are okay with handing over command to Lieutenant Zinn for a while. I still expect you to work together, however. He said this last part to Azik. Sure, I don't mind, Zario said. We'll get along great. We're going to really give it to these guys. The captain briefed the three soldiers on what they would be doing, and it was simple. Gain access to the enemy outpost, preferably covertly, then discover where they are sending their signal to. If they could, they would try to discover what the content of the signal was as well. After the mission briefing, Azik and the others left, and Zario took him to meet the other members of his own team that would be joining them. Sorry for not introducing you this whole time, Zario said, pointing to the other soldier. He doesn't talk much. This is my right-hand man, Sergeant Major Maddox Valanth. Pleasure, Maddox said shortly. They quickly made it to the others, who were in a makeshift barracks not far from the captain's quarters. This is Sergeant Major Hawk and Sergeants Villainy and Usion. And these are Valance subordinates, Sergeants Mecca and Argyle. Each saluted Azik in turn. Good to meet you all, Azik said. Looks like the fate of Ravina is in our hands. What do you say? I say I've been waiting too long to find some royal scum to introduce to my Aetherblade, Sergeant Usion rumbled. Yeah, I agree, Sergeant Villainy said. I felt useless ever since the attack. I'm ready to do something. After laying out a plan for the following rotation, the crew went to their quarters to get some sleep before they began. Azik was given private quarters in the military section of the bunker. He was pretty worn from all the anxiety of the day, but he still couldn't get to sleep, and the headaches that continued to plague him every so often did not help. Isaac barely had any time to return to his initial pondering over the events just prior to boarding the civilian transport to Ravina. He was too busy with everything happening to his home and his family. But his mind was still fuzzy, especially on the details of the days before he came back. Maybe I should just ask one of the crew, he thought. He meant the rest of the crew of the Valiant. I expect they all went on leave too. I guess I probably should check in with Keekin or at least cap, make sure I'm actually supposed to be on leave. Before finally dozing off, he sent a quick message to both his second in command and his commander. It was quiet in Cronus Prime, probably quieter than the city had ever been in its long history. Above the skyline hovered a grav bike, an alliance soldier perched on top. Bala reclined back and stretched, two uncut knots of long blonde hair cascading down past the machine's undercarriage. This is the most boring leave ever, she thought. They had one more rotation before they were back on duty for a while, and at this point, Vala couldn't wait to get back on the triptych. I really wish LT Zinn would have let me go with him. Definitely beats hanging around here. She was currently shirking as much of the cleanup duty as she could. She had Azik on her mind for other reasons, too. She wanted to convince him to stick around with them at Cronus, but she could hardly do that if his goal was to avoid everyone. If only I could give him some news of his family, maybe I could get him to listen. I don't think I'll be able to find anything like that. She felt pretty bad for him. He seemed way out of sorts. 
Or maybe it just seemed that way. But what I know. Bala. A voice came from below, from the top of one of the nearby buildings. It was Sergeant Major Robin. Would you like to join us today? He had obviously been looking for her unsuccessfully for a while, judging by his less than sunny tone. Yes, sir. Sorry. She replied, straddled the grab bike, and cruised down to her commander. Bala followed Robin, not just because he was her superior, but also because he was her mentor, perhaps the person she looked up to the most in this universe. Come on, Robin continued. We're going to check out something in Pena. The new rotation began early for Azik and the rest of his new crew, who were already prepped and on their way to the other side of Animal. Azik wasn't willing to waste any time, and the rest of the crew seemed to feel the same. He hadn't received anything back from either of his comrades that he had contacted before he got to sleep. But if Kaiken is on leave, he thought, then I may not get a hold of him for a while. His subordinate was known for disappearing while off-duty, as he was one who liked to indulge in the fancier and more active life of a wealthy member of the free world. Kaiken had come from such a life, so Azik didn't fault him much, and he was nonetheless a loyal sidekick to him any time he was needed. It was a little more strange that the captain hadn't gone back to him, but there could be a thousand reasons for that, and Azik had bigger things to worry about at the moment. The eight-man squad wound their way through cold mountains until they eventually neared the other side of the planet. The whole way around, Animov was very similar cold, rocky, and barren. But they were coming up on the coordinates for the unknown outpost. Okay, are you all ready? Isaac asked the rest of the group. They all gave the affirmative. Okay, Mecca, Zarya said. You're up first. Get us in there. Argyle, cover her. The two sergeants from Balance team made their way stealthily towards the barely visible outpost. They were the members of this elite force best suited for such a task. They also had two heavily modified Effector Nightcrawlers, grab bikes that were already suited for silence. Everything seemed to be going well as they crept closer to a small vent that would lead to a facility underground. Through their trioptics, the rest of the crew could see them clearly from their vantage point in the distance, even though ashy snow had started falling pretty heavily once they began to get near the location. Mecha and Argyle reached the vent made quick work of the cover, and swiftly slipped in. Mecha would try to infiltrate the operations room without alerting any guards, while Argyle kept her path clear. The other six crew members waited for a long time with no signal, and then began to grow anxious. It's been way longer than planned, Zario said. We need to go in there after them. They haven't tried to make contact at all, Asik replied. Is that normal? No, Lumina, it's not normal, Dario said, or I don't know. They could have been blindsided for all we know. Azik couldn't see any sign that there was unusual activity at the base, although there wasn't much activity visible at all from their location. Okay, let's go with plan B, he finally said. The group then mounted their grab bikes and made their way down to the main entrance, a thick Aetherium door. One moment. Azik drew and ignited his concentrated plasma blade, then slowly started cutting through the reinforced door. 
A look of envy passed over Sergeant Usian's face as he admired the powerful weapon. In about a minute, Azik had cut a large hole through the door. Then Usian threw his large foot against it, knocking it in. Immediately, plasma pistol fire surrounded the two soldiers. Azik quickly drew his concentrated plasma pistol from near his shoulder and fired it down what he assumed to be a corridor where their attackers were waiting. Usian took a few shots, but his aether plate soaked up the damage while he got out of the line of fire. The other four were beginning to engage the enemies with their own plasma weapons. Valanth carried a plasma rifle, a larger and more powerful ranged weapon, which he handled expertly. What Azik found strange, however, was that the Sergeant Major didn't carry an aether blade, probably the only member of the Ravinian military he's seen without one. It was the first weapon a soldier in Ravina learned to use, much of the time they had already learned as a child. But he couldn't doubt his skill with a plasma rifle. It wasn't long before they were no longer being fired upon, and so Usian peeked in to see what was happening. He saw nothing, so they advanced into the outpost. They had done a lot of damage inside during the firefight, and it looked like they wounded a couple of the soldiers inside, but it seemed they all fled. The crew cautiously crept farther in with no more resistance until they came to the door which was supposedly the operations room. Just as they reached the door, the outpost began to shake and a loud rumbling was heard from nearby. Lucian once more threw himself through the locked door, taking it clean off its hinges. The group rushed in with their weapons drawn, but saw Mecca and Argyle staring at them from the other side. I thought you wanted to do this quietly, Argyle said calmly. Why didn't you make contact with us after the time window passed? Azik asked straightforwardly. Sorry, sir, Mecca replied. Stealth can be a slow process sometimes. We didn't think you'd barge in like that before trying to contact us. Everything was going smoothly. In the room with them were what appeared to be three very frightened operators, not combat-trained military. They're definitely ascendancy, Azik thought, looking at their uniforms. They were standard, non-military personnel uniforms, a sleek gray with crimson accent. The guards all retreated, Mecca said, when you made your grand entrance. They left these poor fools for us. We only need one to take back, Zario said. Get rid of the others. The three operators began to panic even more. Azik looked at him a little surprised. No, they all come back as prisoners. Zario met Azik's stare, then thought better than to stir up trouble over something like this. Fine, but one of them is riding back with you. That's fine, Azik replied, then changed the subject. What have you found here? Well, Mecca began, we were able to discover where the signal was being sent, but we weren't able to decrypt it. One of those might be able to help with that, she motioned to the three operators. Let's get them and the information back to the bunker and figure out where we're going next. The crew cleared the outpost and Usion destroyed it with explosives, annihilating everything inside. They then made their way back to the bunker. The return trip was quieter than the trip there, and Azik wondered if it was because he had overruled the group's real commander. But he wasn't going to let Ravinian soldiers hurt non-military who had surrendered. That was another surprise for him, 
but if they were also worried about their loved ones, he couldn't fault them too much. When they arrived, Captain Otteron was glad to see everything went well. These were the men running the relay at the outpost, Zario told his commander. Maybe you can get one of them to tell you what data they were sending. He turned to the operators. Better to tell us now than to wait until we find out at the other location. Looking at the data they brought back, the group pinpointed the signal's destination on a map, and it pointed to an asteroid in a cluster of asteroids near the border to deep space. Well done, all of you, Captain Otteron said. Now, when you're ready, take the runner to that outpost and see what you can find out about our people. I'll deal with these. He motioned toward the operators. I know you went in, Zin, so you lieutenants will have to co-op this mission again. No problem, Zario replied first. Azik was a little relieved. Yeah, Azik said, we're ready to go too. The rest agreed, and they made their way to the hangar, where the runner, one of the few Ravinian cruisers left, was docked. Now, Captain Otteron said to the operators once the crew had left, we have many ways to get the information we want without resorting to violence, he smiled. Shall we see what options are available to you? The operators looked at one another, dreading what awaited. Soon the crew had the runner prepared and ready for space, and they began undocking. As the others were a full crew, they took their respective positions on board. Ock was the helmsman, Balanth the navigator, Mecca, Argyle, and Usion headed security, and Philony was the engineer. They took no supporting crew, as they wanted to be able to maneuver more easily once at the enemy's outpost, so they stayed in their small force. Azik thought they were rather unorthodox in how they handled the ship, but it seemed to work for them. It should be a pretty quick trip, but it's in the open, Valance said. We're not going to have much cover as we approach. They're going to see us coming light years away, Zario added. Based on the size of the asteroid, the outpost can't be that big, Azik said. It shouldn't be much harder to take than the last one, assuming they haven't already gotten reinforcements. He was chastising himself for being so quick to barge into the last outpost. We may have made it out without alerting the guards, he thought. That would have probably made this a whole lot easier. Soon the runner neared a small group of asteroids, among which was the outpost they hoped would hold more answers about where their people were taken. Get all of their names, assign a number to anyone who doesn't check out and put them on the transport, and be sure you know what you're doing," Sergeant Major Robin said to his subordinates, Bala, and his other sergeant named Maloon, along with their teams of soldiers. The soldiers quickly began sorting through all the people they had rounded up in the small town in Panya. All were there, men, women, children, elderly. The soldiers were thorough. Sir, Bala reported, looks like we found some more. Good. Load them up and let's get on to the next location, Robin replied. Several people of all ages were placed on the transport they had come in, which already held people from previous stops. Once they were in, the soldiers filed in and the crew sped off for another town. Does it ever end? Bala asked her commander on the way to the next site. Not in my experience, no, he replied. 
But I suppose that's why you enlisted in the first place. He looked at her. For justice, right? <laughs>